Well, I just want to start by saying thanks, Jason, for your story. I don't know where you are. Where are you? Thank you. That was an awesome story. And I'm making noise. Is that me or is that you? Do you need to move away from me? All right. You know, stories have this amazing ability to make God seem so real in our lives today. And it must be me because I am, I have an echo. All right. And I love hearing people's stories because it makes God seem so near to me. It makes me believe that he can use ordinary people to do extraordinary things, just like he has done with you. And I don't know what your church experience was growing up, but what I remember about church, especially when I got to move from Sunday school to big church, like as a teenager, I remember that my pastor talked a lot. He did a lot of talking, and I did a lot of doodling on my church bulletin, I'm afraid to say. I listened to his stories about the Bible, but I knew that when I left that church and was an adult and got to pick my own, that I wanted something different, but I didn't really know what it was. And so I finally came upon this place where when I went to church, it was different than what, how I grew up. And the reason I knew it was different is because the pastor would do a lot of talking, but then he'd stop. He'd make a point, and then he'd say, so, does anyone have anything to add? Does anyone have a God story? And I was like, what is going on? And then people would stand up, and they would tell the most amazing stories. They would give praise to God for great things that were happening in their lives. Or some would stand up, and they would talk about how they were broken or struggling, or they were going through something where they needed the prayers of the people who were around them. They would share the most amazing things, and through those stories, I began to think, maybe God doesn't just work in those stories of the people in the Bible. Maybe he actually works in our lives today. And it was the first time I realized that maybe he had a story that he was going to tell through my life. And so I was encouraged. And I, for the first time, realized that maybe God had a story for me as well. Because when we, when we hear people's stories, they do give us encouragement. Tonight, as we sit down to dinner, I'm going to share some of the stories in the last year that have been most impactful to me, because I love having a job where I get to hear people's stories and then tell them, tell other people about them through a radio program. So I'm going to share a couple stories that have made a big impact in my life, and I hope that they will make a big impact in yours as well. But today, we're going to go back to that story that we've been kind of going through, that Exodus story in the Bible. And we're going to talk about a specific person who didn't get a lot of playing time last night. And that's the leader of this story. That's Moses. You know, he's the star of several movies. I mean, he has been not only animated, he has been in epic blockbusters like the Ten Commandments. He's in the newest Bible blockbuster, Exodus. People have written about him, studied him. They've even put him in coloring books. I mean, Moses is a pretty important guy, or so we like to think. But Moses didn't really think he was too extraordinary. So I want to take you back and just show you some clips of who Moses thought he was when he first started his story with God. So take a look at this. I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt and have heard their cry. Stop it! Leave that man alone! So I have come down to deliver them out of slavery and bring them to a good land. 
a land flowing with milk and honey. And so unto Pharaoh I shall send you. Me? Who am I to lead these people? They'll never believe me. They won't even listen. I shall teach you what to say. Let my people go! But I was their enemy. I was the prince of Egypt, the son of the man who slaughtered their children. You've, you've chosen the wrong messenger. How, how can I even speak to these people? Who made man's mouth? Who made the deaf, the mute, the seeing, or the blind? Did not I? Now go! before them, and he bars our way with fire. Let us go from this place. Men cannot fight against a god. Better to die in battle with a god than live in shame. Praise God and down into it!
Moses, this is the Lord thy God commanding you to obey my law. Do you hear me? Yes, I hear you, I hear you. A deaf man could hear you. What? Nothing, I punished you, forget it. Oh, Lord, why have you chosen me? What would you have me do for you? I shall give you my laws, and you shall take them unto the people. Yes, Lord! Lord, I shall give these laws unto thy people. Hear me! Oh, hear me! All pay heed! The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these fifteen... Ten! Ten commandments for all to obey! Just a little comic relief for your Sunday morning. You know, Moses didn't get a lot of playing time in last night's talk, but he is, of course, the person that God chose to free the Israelites from Egypt and bring them to the promised land. Can you imagine leading all those people through the desert? All those people being like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And having to listen to that. When we think of Moses, we tend to think of that Ten Commandments one where he's like just holding up the staff, where he is saying, the Lord is going to have power. Watch what the Lord can do. And we don't tend to remember that Moses was also that same person who, when God spoke to him through a burning bush, was scared out of his mind. He had to be convinced that he was the right person for the job. Because sometimes God calls us to something we really don't feel like we're capable of doing. A lot of times he'll call us to something we don't feel like we're capable of doing. A new relationship, a new job, something that we'll have to step out in faith for, an illness. There's a lot of times that God will call us to cross that finish line even though we are very reluctant to do so. We don't get to see what's behind the yes until we say yes. When I was a kid, I loved that show, Let's Make a Deal. I don't know if you watch that now, and people would dress in these crazy costumes. I've never understood the point for the crazy costumes, but people would dress in crazy costumes, and then they'd play this game where they'd win money. And then the host would say, okay, you have $250. Now would you like to trade that for what's behind curtain number one, or curtain number two, or curtain number three? And of course, the audience would be like, spend the money, curtain number one. And I'm sitting there at home like, I don't, I don't know about that. You know, I'm, I'm pretty conservative. I'd hold on to that 250. So I'm saying, don't spend the money. But they wouldn't get to see what was behind that curtain until they gave away that money. Moses is listening to what God has to say. And you would think that if God was that audible with us, that you'd be like, I am so in. But God was asking Moses to do something so incredible that Moses was like, You have to find someone else for the job. I'm not it. I'm not ready to part with my money. I have a good life here. I have a good life as a shepherd. It's all good. I'm not willing to do something great for you because I am not the right person for the job. So in Exodus 3, that's what we saw depicted in the Prince of Egypt. God calls Moses, and Moses is really just kind of saying, are you sure that I'm the right person for the job? Have you ever questioned your own ability 
to accomplish a task that God has asked you to do. Or maybe it's not even God. Maybe it's just an employer. Maybe it's your husband or your wife. Maybe it's parenting. Oh my goodness, what a task that I never felt qualified to do. I remember when I was asked to audition for my first weather job, I did not feel qualified to do that either because I was a news intern. I, it was between my junior and senior year. I lived in Rochester, Minnesota. So I worked for KTTC television and I had been working tirelessly to be this credible news journalist. I wanted to be Katie Couric. For those of you who don't know who she is, you are too young to be my friend. Because <laughs> she was who we all wanted to be. And so the bad thing about a news intern is that you don't get paid anything. So I was working hard during the day, and then at night I worked at the perfume counter at JCPenney, just trying to pay for my rent. So one day the news director calls me into his office and says, our weekend weather guy quit. I'd like you to audition for the job. And I'm like, I don't know anything about the weather. Why would you want me to audition for the job? And he said, well, it pays $25 a show. And you're okay on camera. You speak pretty intelligently. I think you should give it a shot. Not exactly the burning bush experience. <laughs> but he had me at $25 a show, because I was dirt poor. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I go down to the chief meteorologist's uh, room, and I'm like, can you teach me something about the weather? Because I'm going to audition. And you can imagine that this guy who had a PhD in atmospheric science was like, <laughs> Very excited to hear from this 21-year-old who didn't know what a cold front or a warm front or a high-pressure system or anything else was. So he was less than helpful. So I spent 24 hours at the National Weather Service in Rochester. And luckily, they were thrilled that someone would want to learn their craft. So they made out a forecast. They helped me make some maps. They helped me memorize it and talk about it. And so two days later, which is the time frame I had, I went back to the station. And I was wearing my really spiffy royal blue suit with the gold buttons, because it's the only thing I owned, and I was a poor college kid. And I get down to the weather studio, and I notice something that I hadn't noticed before. The green screen, the chroma key wall, was actually blue. <laughs> I had no idea that green screens could be blue, but this one was. And if you know anything about chroma key, you know that it's kind of a layering of videos. So they take a picture of the person, and I'm kind of looking at a mirror image of myself pointing to things, which I'd been practicing in my mirror. <laughs> but the screen was blue, which means everything blue kind of keys out, and you see video over that. So my audition was a floating head with some gold buttons <laughs> and some hands moving through these clouds. Everything else was through my body. Now, lucky for me, the news director had a fabulous sense of humor. He watched it, he laughed a little bit, and then he gave me the job. Now, I had no qualifications. Luckily, he sent me back to school so that I could learn about the weather. But it was an impossible task. But it happened because I was willing to take that first step. As embarrassing as it was, I wish I still had the video. I was, I was ready to take that first step. So we think of Moses as his confident leader, but he starts giving excuses, right? He hears God talking to him and he says, who am I? Who am I to go to Pharaoh? Who am I to try that new thing? I love the message translation of that same verse. It says, why me? And you can just see Moses like, you're not talking to me, right? That can't be me. And you can understand that if you look at his life. I mean, he had run away from Egypt. 
He had murdered an Israelite. He had been living for years as a shepherd, living in obscurity, just hoping that no one would find him. And here God picked him and said, I want you to go. And he kept thinking, there's got to be someone better, someone stronger, someone wiser, someone more qualified to do this job. Who am I, he said. I remember feeling that way the first time I took my first son home from the hospital. Did anyone feel like that? We sat in that car in the circle drive of United Hospital, and my husband and I said, who are we? I can't believe they gave us this child to take away. I mean, we don't know anything. And yet I'd been in the hospital for five days. I had had a C-section, and so I got to know the nurses by name. I went to the one-hour how-do-you-nurse-your-baby class five times because I wanted to get it right. And so I'd read all the books. I knew about sleep-wake cycles. I knew what you're supposed to feed your child. But still, we got home that night, and I, it was time to put my baby down for, for bed. And I couldn't remember how to swaddle. And I'm like... I, I can't get the blanket to work. He, he's not going to live. <laughs> he's not going to sleep. I don't know what I'm going to do. Finally, I called my friend who has three ch children older than mine and said, I, I, I don't remember how to swaddle. She talked me off a ledge. She tried to tell me things like, you're the best person for this child. God made you to be this child's mom. It's going to be fine. And I still just was sobbing and sobbing. And my friend in her mercy says, I'll be right there. So she came over and she helped me. Now, of course, it's many years later. And still, if I like beat her at darts or golf or a card game, she'll be like, remember that time when I had to come over? Because <laughs> you didn't know how to put your baby down for a nap. I remember. So God could have answered that question, who me? By giving all these qualifications to Moses. You were raised in Pharaoh's household. You know Pharaoh's household. You are the right person for this job. You know of the armies. You know the power that that household. You know all about Pharaoh. You can do this. You've lived in a desert now. You know the desert. You know how to manage the terrain. You know how to shepherd sheep. You can shepherd people. But he didn't say that. What he said is, I'm going to go with you. And that's all you need to know. Of course, Moses was not understanding of this. And he gives him another excuse. He says, but, but I'm not trustworthy. They don't know who I am. They'll never follow me. And at this point, God turns attention away from Moses again and onto himself. And he said, I am. You tell them, I am sent you. I am the father of Abraham. I am the father of Jacob. I am the father of Joseph. You tell them I am sent them. And that's all they need to know. I am. You know, I grew up in a small town. Maybe some of you did as well. And part of the glory of a small town is that everybody knows your business. But that can be bad or that can be good. I remember at 16 racing home in my car because I was a little past my curfew. So I blew through that four-way stop that's about three blocks from my house because no one's ever there. I mean, I don't even know it's why it's there. So I blew through the, the four-way stop, and of course there's lights that come up behind me. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be even later. So as the policeman's coming to my window, I'm just holding my license out. I know what he's going to ask. I need to get it over with because I need to get home. And he takes the license and walks back to his car. 
I think they teach this special skill to policemen because they want us to wait and wait and suffer. And then he came back and he said, huh, is your dad a dentist? And I said, yep. He said, hmm, Dr. Bender helped my kid once. He flew over his bike, broke three teeth on a Sunday afternoon. He said, you tell your dad I said hi and quit running through stop signs. Get home now. And that was the day I learned the power of a name. I learned the power of a reputation. I learned that I kind of wanted that. Moses refused to budge, but God said, you tell them, I am sent them, sent you, and that's all they need to know. But of course, Moses still refuses to budge. He says, but I'm not credible. I'm not credible. I mean, have you ever felt like, I need to establish some credibility here? How am I going to establish this credibility? Maybe you've taken a new job. Maybe you've taken a new step to parent a teenager. Well, sometimes it's more difficult than it looks. I have a very short example of a dad who was trying to establish some credibility. Maybe you know him. Take a look. Jill? <laughs> nope. Video. Uh-huh. <laughs> Phil Dunphy, yo. I'm the cool dad. That's, that's my thing. Let me meet this player. I'm hip. I, I surf the web. I text. LOL. Laugh out loud. OMG. Oh my god. WTF. Why the face? People, let's all chillax. Um, you know, I know all the dances to high school musical, so. We're all in this together. Yes, we are. We're all stars. That's something you know it. Act like a parent. Talk like a peer. I call it parenting. To keep it real. No mean, son? Not really. I learned that from my own dad. A lot of dads would be like, oh, hello, son, how are you? My dad would come into my room and be like, what's up, sweat hog? <laughs> Burn. That was a cool dad. As soon as I'm done kicking a little mom butt here, how about I school you in some Mario Kart? Can't. Gotta work on my journal. Lame. It was crazy. Hip. It's a <laughs> It wasn't a group. ABC's Modern Family premieres Wednesday, 9, 8 central on ABC Comedy Wednesday. Thankfully, Moses didn't have Phil Dunphy giving him lessons on how to establish credibility. But he says, I'm not credible. And God's like, it doesn't matter. Look at what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. You need to hold the staff. That's all you need to do. I'm going to establish creativity. I'm going to go to Pharaoh. God says, I will turn the Nile River into blood, but you need to take the first step. Maybe something, maybe something will change if we take the first step. Maybe something will change in your marriage if you take the first step. Maybe something will change in your work life if you take the first step. Maybe something will change with that person in your family who you do not want to have a conversation with if you take the first step. God says, I will make you credible, but you need to take the first step. Moses had to take the first step to see God's power take over. And God seems to do this all the time. He says, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to be with you. But you know what? I'm going to do that 
after you say yes. Moses had an identity problem because he knew himself a little bit too well. He gave all of the excuses. And when it finally came down to the end, Moses said, look, can you just send somebody else? I know you've told me I can do it. You've told me you'll be with me. You've told me that you're the one who's in control, but can you just send someone else? He says, please, God, please send someone else. And God in his mercy says, I will send your brother Aaron to help you. In his mercy, he says, I'll send some help. Now go. Now go, and I will teach you what to do. I will teach you what to say. But you have to take the first step. Because sometimes we just need someone to say, I will be right over. Jen talked about that today as she was talking to the kids. I'll be right over. And sometimes we just need someone to say that. Because once again, it's the answer to that question we've been asking all weekend. Will you trust me? God says, will you trust me? And then I will give you power. For I know exactly who you are. I know exactly why I chose you. And I know exactly what I'm going to do through you. And then when you go, I will equip you to do what I've called you to do. Because sometimes, most times, God's power doesn't come till we take the first step. I know you don't have a ton of time in your small groups, um, so you're gonna have a lot of questions. Just pick maybe one or maybe two to go through. I'll leave it up to you leaders to do that. Let me just pray out. Lord, we thank you just for learning about stories of other people. We pray that those stories will be able to encourage us to see you in our lives and how you are. You have created us as perfect and the way that you want us to be so that we can do what you've equipped us to do. In your name we pray, amen.